0: And while Mary and Martha were living through the trial of watching their brother die and death take him away, all the while, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, that's for our benefit. This is recorded here for our benefit. And there are times that we go through like things. It may be death, bereavement, sorrow, tragedy, losses. And when you're living right through them, you begin to question. And you say, "I I can't handle all these changes, all these disappointments. Where's the Lord in the midst of all this? And where is his love? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, and we're coming to our message today on the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. What a miracle it was, and what a witness it became in Israel when multitudes saw the one who was dead for days, raised from the dead, and brought to life in, through the power of the Lord Jesus. So we want to look at that today, and I trust you'll stay tuned with us right through. We have a hymn at the end, And Can It Be That I Should Gain an Interest in the Savior's Blood? In our studies in the Book of Romans, we're looking at the righteousness which justifies sinners. And here's a question. Does this word righteousness refer to the attributes and character of God? Well, the righteousness which saves us must be equal to the righteousness that God possesses, uh, because we must be as holy as he is if we are ever to enter into the glory of heaven. Next question, does it refer to the Old Testament law as in the giving of the Ten Commandments? Well, there in the Ten Commandments, the holy character of God was revealed, and they are ten expressions of God's perfections and holy standard, and the righteousness of the salvation that brings us into peace with God must indeed fulfill every one of those expressions of God's character and God's holiness. Another question, does this method of God providing righteousness negate the law of God or reduce it in any way? Romans 3 verse 31, well, that is a definitive answer for us. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. And so the gospel of righteousness by faith alone is not in any way to divert or to sweep away the, the law of God or the Ten Commandments, but rather it is to meet that holy standard. Does this righteousness refer to an internal change in man whereby he does good to gain God's favor? Well, I think we can answer that very quickly and say that when we are saved, we are made better. But the standard is not a man-made product. The standard of God's righteousness is a God-made product, and it is the gift of God to give his own perfection his own righteousness, which was earned not by man, but by the Lord Jesus Christ and all the perfect work that he performed. What is this righteousness, which is the power of God unto salvation? Well, let me give you just a clear few simple statements. It is the subject and substance of the gospel. In Romans 1 verse 16, we read here, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is revealed by God, and it is God himself who demands this standard of righteousness. There is no other way to be saved. And without the Lord Jesus Christ and the perfect righteousness that he performed and provides, no man will ever see the kingdom of God. And so we plead with you today to trust the Lord Jesus to give you that righteousness that he alone can give to filthy sinners. Thank you for staying tuned with us. We're turning now to our message, John chapter 11, Jesus raising Lazarus, from the dead. Right, John 11. We're back to this passage on the resurrection of Lazarus. And as I mentioned, this is a red flag miracle. And we can say that this miracle did more for the kingdom of God than any other miracle of our Lord. And it did more harm to the kingdom of darkness than any other miracle of the Lord. First thing I want to point out here, that it's meant to reveal the providence of God. And I just want to say a word about this matter where the Lord got the news about Lazarus' sickness, and yet he didn't go immediately. And it was meant to prove the Lord's providence that he's never too late, never too late, And you know how he was quizzed, you know, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother had not died. Both uh, uh, Martha said that first and and then Mary later. And of course, there are many times in our lives we said, well, where was the Lord? How come this happened? Uh, But we learn here in this account that the Lord is never too late. The other thing we learn in this passage that everything in the Christian's life, for sure, and I suppose in everything that happens in the world, is for the glory of the Lord. We have that statement in verse 4, which says that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, we have to interpret and understand that Lazarus died, and yet it was not unto death. Death wouldn't reign. Death wouldn't rule in this case. Death would be defeated. And we rejoice tonight that we can apply that to our hearts because every one of us is subject to death. The death sentence is written over us. One day we're going to breathe our last. We're going to lay down these bodies, and they return to dust. And for the Christian, it is true that this is not unto death but for the glory of God. And the resurrection day is going to tell the whole story, and then we will have all of the answers. The other thing that we learn in this passage, it is meant to prove the power of the Lord's Word. This is another miracle where Jesus spoke the Word outside the tomb when they rolled away the stone, and the Lord shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And we see here again in this miracle the power of of the Lord's Word. Now we noted this in some of the other miracles, and in the resurrection miracles, he said to Jairus' daughter, Talitha Kumai, damsel I say unto thee, Arise. And here again, the Lord speaks in the power of his Word. Now speaking here of his Word, the statement Jesus made, I am the resurrection and the life. You can see how the miracle matches the message i am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though we were dead yet shall he live and in in that very same event the lord demonstrated the truth of it and the power of it by calling lazarus out of the grave he truly is the resurrection and the life one of the problems of being a christian and being familiar with Christian things, that you learn statements like that, and they become a mere cliché. I am the resurrection and the life. And they are beautiful-sounding words. They're, They're like poetry in our ears. But do they really get into our hearts that we believe that our Lord Jesus has forever defeated death? That's what he came into the world to do. He came here to destroy the works of the devil. It was the devil who introduced death into the world, and on the cross where our Lord uh, fought, conquered Satan, he purchased life, everlasting life. And as we learned this morning in that covenant of grace, the promise is life, life to those that put their faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, another lesson—now, we're just dealing with a few lessons before we get into the sermon here—another lesson that I see as I look over this whole passage, that this miracle and this message, I am the resurrection and the life, was meant to produce faith, to produce faith. The purpose of this miracle is stated by the Lord himself, that he did this, he said these things, and he did these things, that man would believe on him. Now, as you read through the chapter, this is unmistakable. Let's look firstly at verse 15. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. In other words, the Lord allowed this to happen. He deliberately stayed back. He did not come at first. He allowed sickness to take Lazarus' life that he might come into the midst and defeat death in such a dramatic way. Why? To the intent that ye may believe. Then look at verse 40. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe. Verse 42, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe. And then verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. So it is very clear that this miracle was deliberately orchestrated, planned, scheduled, executed, worked out in the life of Lazarus that it may be a tremendous message not just to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but to everyone that they might believe. Now, that's totally in keeping with the purpose of John's gospel. If you go over to John chapter 20, verse 31, you learn here the whole purpose why John wrote this gospel. And you see that the events that he's writing off and the things that he picks out is all to establish this thesis. He has a thesis in mind as he writes this book, And it's all about that we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But these are written, and he talks here about, and many other signs truly Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But the things that are written in this book, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So why did John take up Lazarus' resurrection? For a very big reason, it fitted into his theses that these things are written that men might believe. Now, this record alone of Lazarus' resurrection was sufficient to turn many, many people—and many did believe—on the Lord. And our Lord's miracle uh, and his message was not just oratory, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, it was real. And that's the thing that we must insist on in our Christianity. It's real. These doctrines, truths, histories, and records of our Lord Jesus, they are real. And that what is gives us a strong foundation for our faith. So, let's come to the message tonight. What is the message of this whole miracle of the Lord Jesus? Well, I might rehearse a few of those things I've just mentioned, and I think we need to deal with, in a little more detail, the providence behind the miracle. The providence behind the miracle. And as I say, it was a deliberate delay. Let's go back to verse 4 again, and we will read verses 4 through 6. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, the seeming delay in Jesus' arrival begins to make sense when we look at the bigger picture. And, of course, the good thing that we—the perspective we have tonight is, we know the end of the story. But where poor Martha and Mary were living through this, And they were watching the beads of sweat on Lazarus' brow. They saw his breathing labored. They saw the agony of body he was in and death conquering him. I'm sure they had many, many questions. But I want you to notice a little word in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 11.5. And here is a word that's, it's for the reader. This was not part of the drama of the event, but it's a little word inserted for the reader of this gospel record that while all of this was going on, and while Mary and Martha were living through the trial of watching their brother die and death take him away, all the while, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus now that's for our benefit this is recorded here for our benefit and there are times that we go through like things that may be death bereavement sorrow tragedy losses and when you're living right through them you begin to question And you say, I I can't handle all these changes, all these disappointments. Where's the Lord in the midst of all this? And where is his love? Jesus knew all about the sorrow, the pain, the loss. He knew all about the heartache that they were going through. He read the tears that Mary and Martha had at this very time. Let's take this to heart tonight. When you suffer, and you don't really get very old in the Christian life until you run into disappointments and reverses, and you wonder, what's the Lord doing? Well, it's then we need faith. And this passage, this whole event is recorded to strengthen our faith. And poor Mary and Martha had to go through all of that for our good for our good. And Lazarus, of course, he had to go down. So the first thing we learned here, it was a, a, a deliberate delay. Then we see it was a loving delay. There was no lack of love in that passage. And the next thing as we see this, it was a humbling delay. And I'm going to take you to verse 21, when the Lord came along onto the scene and Martha ran out to meet the Lord. You will see how humbled Martha was. She said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Humbling. I tell you, death is a very humbling thing. If there's anything that will take the rug out from under your feet and cause you to crash, it is bereavement and loss of a loved one. And here is Martha coming and said, Lord, if thou hast been here. In other words, we were so helpless. We were totally helpless. We couldn't do a thing. Lord, if only you'd been here. Sometimes we need that humbling work in our hearts because there is such a natural <laughs> sinful pride in, our, in us that we think we can do anything. We, we, we think we are macho, that we are capable of anything. But death corrects that. Now, on down the passage, when you come to verse 32, you will find the same humbling happened to Mary. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And the same humbling effect took place in Mary's heart as in Martha's heart. That's why the Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. There is a message, there is a ministry in the event of death that nothing else can work in our lives. It brings us to the place where we need a Savior. And we come to the point where Mary and Martha both said it independently, Lord, if thou hast been here, what a difference it would have made. Now, they were both right. They were both right, because no one ever died in the presence of the Lord Jesus. There was never a person who passed away into eternity while Jesus was in the vicinity. And while our Lord was on the cross, he died first before those thieves on either side. You remember how they came to break the Savior's uh, legs or the legs of each of the malefactors to hasten their death? But Jesus was dead already, and they broke the legs of the two thieves and one on each side because Jesus died first, and afterwards they died. No one ever died in the presence of the Son of God. He came to give life. Death cannot conquer the Son of God. And we are brought to the point where we need the Lord to give us life, both physical life but eternal life. And alone, death will conquer us. Now, God is our comforter through life, of course. And we may have a a thousand questions regarding the losses of life yet in eternity in eternity they shall all be evidences of the lord's goodness the resurrection day will tell the whole story Uh, and that's what i have to remind myself as i read this passage the people going through this did not know the end result we read it quickly we can read this in a couple of minutes and we we say Martha, Mary, what are you worried about? Jesus would come and raise your brother from the dead. And then we face sorrow, loss, bereavement, and our hearts are aching. But we've got to remember the end of the story is the resurrection for the Christian. And there is a day when Christ will come and he will raise his people from the dead. So we see the providence behind this miracle. Let's move on, and we'll look at the power behind this miracle. Who dare argue against the Lord's personal power when you read a story such as this? Whoever can put a question mark on the ability of the Son of God to do the impossible when you read what he did for Lazarus? And our Lord, right here, he overcame that Dreaded enemy of death, there and then. Now, let's go to verse 41. And here you will see the power of the Savior's prayer. We have a number of areas where we will see the Lord's power in this event. But in verse 41, you see the power of the Savior's prayer. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was led. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always." And so we see our Lord working in cooperation with the Father, and the Father's power is here. Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in him. And we see that the work of God is right here. So Jesus' prayer is answered. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. I hope you've been blessed today through the ministry of God's Word. I'd also be delighted to talk with you. My personal phone number is 604-897-2040. Please call to let me know that you're listening, and we can open the Bible and pray together. For all the information about our radio ministry in Canada— and our churches in Buffalo, Scarborough, Port Hope, and Berry. please go to ltbs.ca. If you have been blessed today, please kindly consider helping us to cover the cost of airtime. Your gift, large or small, will make the difference. You can donate online at ltbs.ca or by meal. Our mailing address is LTBS, 18790, 58 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S, 1M6. My phone number again is 604-897-2040. And remember to join us again at this time next week on this station as we let the Bible speak.